0: We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God.
1: I'm going to talk about something that I talked about probably four or five years ago. Just something that God brought back to me this week. Uh, because it's, 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 it's as relevant and prevalent today as it was five years ago. Probably even more relevant because of uh, who we are and what we're made of. Um. Uh, in times of war, military battle strategists meet and they develop this ideal battle plan. This is what we want to do to win this battle. So they work out all the details and, and that they think will bring them victory over their enemy. They carefully strategize for the best and most efficient methods. They want to be the less loss of life. The most efficient, how can we do this the quickest? How can we overcome and how can we be victorious the quickest we can? But they also develop a contingent plan. They're smart enough to know that if this doesn't go down, like we, that we have a secondary contingent plan. And in this contingent plan, we can maneuver and move. You know, one of the worst things you can do is not have a contingent plan. And that's in any part of your life. Our first plan and our always plan is God. But what is our contingent plan? It's God, okay it's the, exactly. our contingent plan is God, unlike war masters, our master is the master of war so uh there's always got to be a fallback, there's always got to be a place uh To understand where origin comes from. In Matthew 16, Jesus asked his disciples, Who do men say that I am? We're familiar. They John the Baptist, some say you're Elias, some say you're Jeremiah, some of the prophets. Well, who do you say that I am? Jesus said. And they, you know, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to Peter, You know, Thou art Peter, upon this rock I will build my church. Uh, Not the church isn't built on Peter. We understand that. The church is built on what Peter said: that thou art the Christ. That's what, what this rock is. And and uh, you are the son of the living God. And But when Jesus made a statement that would change the battlefield, he's, he's, he said this, and this is important for us to understand about this battle that we're in. He said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Now, there was somebody that heard that, that understands that more probably than we do. And that's the biggest enemy we have—the devil, excluding ourselves. We know that our, but the devil knows that the gates of hell are, is not going to prevail against the church. So because he already knows that, and he knows he's not going to be victorious over the church, he goes to his contingent plan. That's what the devil does—he goes to his contingent plan. Well, if I know I'm not going to win. That I'm going to go to the, the next plan. So he's devised a plan to try and conquer uh, his most formidable enemy. You, you realize we are the most formidable enemy the devil has. He did not understand, reckon with, or have the knowledge and knowing that God would dwell in us. It never came across his mind. You don't find it in the Scripture. He never had the idea. It never prompted in his mind that God would dwell in us. That messed him up. That messed him up. When the Holy Ghost came and indwells and, and in, that messes the devil up. And so he has to go to contingent plan. So now he has to rework his plan. He has to have this strategy. He has to have this contingent plan to fight against God. Since he knows he's not going to overcome the church, and he knows he's not going to overcome God, his contingent plan is to fight, just to fight us. His comp- contingent plan is to try to confuse us. His contingent plan is to get us busy. His contingent plan is to get us off track. All of those things. Jesus said on the onset of this revelation about his church that, again, the gates of hell are not going to prevail. And so the devil knew from the birth of the church that he wasn't going to win. But that didn't stop him. That doesn't stop him today. He's got a plan against you. So he had to come up with this contingent plan. So what What? What, was the, what would be the best plan to come up with to try to attack the church? What would be the best plan to try to come up with that, that would you know to- totally hurt the church in the best way? Well, this was what's the strength of the church? because here, here it is. What's the strength of the church? The body. Okay, We are the body, but what is the strength of the church? Spirit, strength of the church. I understand what all you're saying, but there's there's, there's prayer. Those are all strengths within the church. But what is the strength of the church? Jesus Christ is the strength of the church. Okay. Without the family, without the family, the church is in trouble. We are the family of God, right? Inside of the body, the body of Jesus Christ is the family. And it's the strength of the family. So the contingent plan was to for the devil was to attack the family. Attack the family. If you look through scripture, you see this over and over and over and over again. Who was the first family? What happened? The devil attacked the family. And from there, it has been the same. He hadn't changed his contingent plan. Constantly attacking families. Constantly trying to derail families. Why is there power in the family? Why is there power in the family? Think about your your own family. Why is there so much power in your family? Say again. United. Right. Can I, get, can I go back to the Biddick boys just really quick? You don't pull. Don't pull it. Don't, don't go after one. You got all three. You all got all four. The other three were showing up. Why, there was a unity. We, it didn't even matter if one of my brothers even started to fight or did wrong. It didn't matter. We didn't want to know what went on. You just don't attack the family. There's a power, there's a power in the unit because the family itself, the family is so it's so powerful. Let's just talk about that. Uh, in Genesis 2, God sees that it's not good for man to be alone, right? No? God it's not good that man dwell. You understand how powerful the family is? God saw that it wasn't good that man would dwell by himself. There's a power in the family. There's a power in the family. God wants us to understand something here tonight. There's a power in our unit, in our family. So what does he do? He causes Adam to sleep. He brings from Adam a woman. In verse 23, he says, This is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Woman, woman, man with a womb. Woman, man with a womb. You understand man was created with everything that you possess as a woman. Adam had everything you possess as a woman. But then God said, okay, I'm going to make some. Wouldn't you think that Adam by himself would have been just as stronger than Adam without Eve? Wouldn't you think that that would, because he wouldn't have to contend with outside force. He wouldn't have to. That's not the, that's not the case. It's not the case. In verse twenty-four, God sets into motion the essence of the family, and God has always believed in the family, man. He said, "Man, a man will leave his father and mother. What father and mother did Adam leave? You understand that he's God's speaking to the the progression of humanity. This is the way it's going to be. This is going to be the strength of the church. Going to be the strength of my people. A man's going to leave his father and mother, and he's going to cleave. That word cleave." In, 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 in the original, it means to adhere to or stick to uh, his wife. They shall be one flesh. Adam looked and even said, she's me and I'm her. She, he didn't look at her and say, that's a different, that she's me and I'm her. She. She came out, she's bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. The power of the family is actually stronger than blood. Blood's thicker than water, family's thicker than blood. A man leaves his own blood and cleaves to his wife, and that unit is stronger than him, than the blood relationship he had with his parents. Just just let that sink in. In reality, the strength of the family is based on the marriage of two people that are not blood related. All right? Unless you live in I'm not, you pick the state. I'm not, I got in trouble the last time I picked the state because I had somebody here from that state. Yeah. The <laughs> the whole point of it is is that the marriage of two people, a man and a woman is stronger than blood. Stronger not the blood of Jesus Christ, but stronger than blood, stronger than human blood. But even in marriage, in the unity of one, God set God set his will through the relationship role. We are all the same in God's eyes, right? But we have different relationships with God because God gave us different roles. My relationship with God is different than my wife's because my role with God is different than hers. Our relationship spiritually invokes and involves the same thing. But my role and her role In those relationships is different, and so it's paramount that we understand not just the leadership role, but what it's about. Why, first of all, there's a there's a leadership role given in family, and it's to promote harmony and unity. Anything with two heads is a freak. You you can't anything. Think about it. Anything with two heads is a freak. You can't have two heads. There's got to be a head. There's got to be a leader, and so God set that into motion. To understand that, that to bring harmony and unity, to bring sanity, in some cases we may argue that, but to, to bring rightness into the marriage, there, there's no I, big eyes and little U's, but understand, there's a leadership role. Man and woman were equally as important, equally as loved. Man wasn't loved more, Adam wasn't loved more than Eve, but in order to promote harmony and unity, God knew there had to be leadership. Had to be leadership. So God has a plan of authority for a peaceful existence. Where you find no leadership in the home, you find no peace in the home. Leadership brings peace. When you find a home that's not peaceful, then you find a man that's not leading. If, you find, if, a, if, it's, a, if it's a someone that's single, they've got to be leading their home. If there's no peace, they're not acting as a single person in the leadership role that they have. Ma'am, let me say something to you. If you're not married, your leader in this case is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ leads all of us. Don't but but because you don't have a husband, sir, if you you're supposed to be the leader of your home, understanding you follow the leadership of Jesus Christ. There's always got to be leadership. So, yeah, this a leader and a it's called the family. It's what we call the family. This is an old-fashioned notion, by the way. Y'all understand that, right? What I'm telling you is old-fashioned. It's not something you hear in today's society. But, but God's old-fashioned. God's old-fashioned. What was true a thousand years ago with God is true today. God's old-fashioned. Our society has changed the format of what a family is. Our society has changed the format of what a family is. In many different ways many different ways and has gotten away from the leadership and understanding of the leadership role in essence the devil has infiltrated the family with his contingent plan to weaken us if he can weaken the family he can do his best to weaken the church he knows he's not going to overcome the church but if he can weaken us to the place where we're not strong enough to do what we're supposed to be doing and following the leadership of, of the Holy Ghost uh, in, in our generation, then he has performed what he set out to do in the garden. Not only has he changed the view of the family, but he's created the situation where husbands and wives can easily go their different ways. If, if they don't feel like being together anymore in our society, if, if I don't, you, you know, used to, you had to have a real reason. You had to have a real reason to get a divorce. That used to be the deal. That something had to happen, Now you can go to court. look, we just we, we can't cohabitate together. They'll give you a divorce. I'm not listen. I'm, if you've been divorced, don't, don't get mad at me. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I want you to understand something. What, what the devil has done is he's, it's gone easier. It used to be hard. You remember when, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, when you, when you heard the D-word, people were like, oh, we're not supposed to associate with them. When I was a kid, that's the way it was. If that's the case now, then you associate with very little few people in the world today. In America, six out of ten marriages end in divorce. It's gone to six out of ten. I can remember it was two out of ten. Now it's six out of ten. Understand something. It's the devil has just made it simpler and easier in our society. Anything, anything to be destructive to the family. But listen, no relationship can be based upon feelings. That's that's why you don't get it. You don't break apart because you feel something. You, you ever got mad and felt something? Okay, well I'm leaving. I'm leaving too. Goodbye. You know that's why people we called it shacking up. What do you call it nowadays? Cohabitating. Cohabitating. We call it shacking up. That's why people shack up because because you get a bad feeling about it, you can walk. But we don't. We don't. We can't live and base our our. Uh, relationships on feelings, please tell me you're not basing your relationship with your spouse on a feeling. You base it on a commitment. It's the same thing with God. Don't base your relationship with God on a feeling. It's, It's a commitment. God committed to you. He committed to you on the cross, and He just wants the commitment back. There wasn't a feeling on the cross. There was a commitment. It's, it's the breakfast. It's the eggs and the ham. You know, the chicken was involved, but the pig was committed. And so the commitment, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the family deal now is, is the chicken side of it, the egg side of it. You know, I, I can give a little or I can walk. Well, the, that's part of this thing the devil has done. So uh, all relationships, including your relationship with God, have to be built on commitment. How many of you ever have had the Holy Ghost uh, shivers? A lot of people base all of what they believe in God and their relationship with God on those shivers. If they don't have the shivers, something's wrong. If they don't have this feeling, something's wrong. If I and a commitment, sometimes you don't have a feeling. Because it's not about the feeling, it's about the commitment. There are times in all sorts of relationships, including marriage when you just don't feel like it. And there's been times when my wife didn't feel like being married to me. I get it. y'all y'all listen, I'm not telling you, but you ought to be married to me. You'd understand what I'm saying. She didn't feel it, but you know what? she made a commitment and she's sticking to that commitment. That's awesome, man. To find somebody that's like that through thick and thin, through hard and through and still stay committed. That's important. There are struggles, problems, issues, all all of these things that happen in our life. Uh, If you base your commit your, your relationship on anything, any kind of relationship on feeling, you're going to crumble. Do not play the market on feeling. Do not play the market with your money on feeling. It's going to crumble. You're going to lose it. You know, no matter what, we have to have this. Stand on this. I will not quit. I will not quit. That's a commitment to God. God, I will not. It's going to get hard sometimes, folks. This is not going to. He never promised us an easy ride. And it can get hard but I will not quit. I will not quit. I'm not giving up commitment. Many people today seek the rewards of a relationship based on feeling, not commitment. The sexual relationship between married people is, is the reward of commitment, not the other way around, not the other way around. There's many people base the relationship on, you know, that particular thing. And when it Something happens there, boy, they're messed up. That relationship between married people is the reward of commitment. It's the blessing of commitment. Many people live together today and have a sexual relationship outside of marriage because it serves a feeling, not a commitment. I know I'm being pretty straight here. But we're talking about the, the strength of the family. There's a reason, there are several reasons why God doesn't want us to have sexual relationships outside of marriage, but the biggest part of it is this commitment thing is this commitment thing. So if you base your relationship on this premise of feeling, you're headed for disaster. You're headed for disaster. When we step outside the guides of a physical relationship set by God, God set the relationship up. A man leaves his husband, leaves his mom and dad and they marry, they become one flesh. God set that up. That's not set up by man. We didn't set that up. God set that up. He set up that physical relationship that way. And that's how it's supposed to happen. When it's any, anything outside of that dishonors God. Any sexual relationship outside of, why, am I, why is Pastor Don talking about this? We, we need to understand some things going on in our country right now. Because all, all of this business that we've been going through is a smokescreen. It's to hide the depravity in America. Now, I'm telling you, God has been talking to me about some things. This has just been a smokescreen. It's to hide the depravity that's going on in America. You remember just a few months ago, they had this guy that, man, he was selling all of these girls to high-profile people and all the and Do you hear that? No, number one is that he committed suicide in prison. He was well acquainted with the Clintons so he commits suicide in prison and you don't hear anything about it anymore because, because there's a smoke screen going on the depravity that's going on in this country and in this world is being smoke screened and that's what the devil wants to do because it's just tearing away at the family tearing away the, that's why I'm kind of talking about this so, so anything outside of that not only dishonors God but it, it, it dishonors you it, dishonor, it dishonors her uh, and by the way we got, a, we got a young man here, by the way, that's not married. If you have a relationship outside of marriage like that, not only are you dishonoring God, not only are you dishonoring her, not only are you dishonoring herself, you know, you're even dishonoring her father. Because until she's married, she is under the authority of her father. That's why Pastor Don kept a gun. You come to, come to our house and you want to take our daughter out on a date, you got to see the shiny. Very well cleaned. Don't be dishonoring anybody here. God didn't set his plan to control you. He didn't do this as a control factor. It's about Commitment. If you follow what he has set before you concerning the family, you're going to have some great rewards. I'm, you know, I'm talking about something that's not real popular today in our society, but kind of stay with me. Paul Paul wrote at the, to the church of Ephesus in uh, chapter 5. He's, he speaks about us speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody uh, in our heart to the Lord. And we like that, don't we? Like, Yeah, that's great. We love that. But he also says for us to give thanks always for, uh, for all things and to submit ourselves to one another. What does that mean? The word submit here in the Greek, it means to follow in obedience the recognized authority given of God. That's what submit means in Scripture. To recognize in obedience the the authority given in God's realm. In other words, we recognize with, within one another that God has placed his authority among us, and we are to follow it because it creates unity, it creates peace. All those things. Now, pastor Don's not setting him up as a king here today. Don't I'm not, you know, because as a pastor. You, listen, y'all go home and, and and look up the word pastor, find the Greek word for pastor, and you'll see that we don't set ourselves up as kings here. To be a pastor is to be a servant. To be a pastor is to be a servant. So he goes on to say this. Well, this is not real popular. I don't have but a few minutes. Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands. And a lot of times that's where everybody stops because the men like that. Wives, submit yourselves. Well, first of all, understand that God has set an authoritative situation here. He set a line of authority, a leadership role. And understand that because there can't be two heads if it is it's a freak. The second part of that. Let me read this again. Wives, submit yourselves unto the unto your hu- as, as unto the Lord. There's there's the part that, that that's that, that a lot of times we just kind of gloss over. <clears throat> Listen, your husband may not look like the Lord, but pretend he does. Okay, he, he may not look like Jesus to you, but just for the husband is the head. Who's the head? That's the person in responsible leadership. The husband is the head. In other words, God said, you are responsible. You and your wife can make all kinds of decisions together, and if you're a smart man, you will listen to what your wife says. You will get all that information. But when God looks at it, sir, you're the one responsible for the decision made at home. It's you. That's how I've set it up, and that's how it's supposed to work. Yeah. How many of you, did the man choose the wife or the wife choose the man? (laughs) Let's see how many men got fooled on this. (laughs) I I got fooled. (laughs) I thought, man, I better stop. It's not that the husband or the man is more favored of God. It's that he's in the position that God put in there as a leadership role to bring unity and a peaceful existence. He says that the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Marriage is so powerful in God's sight that he uses this analogy of himself being the groom and us being the bride. That's how important the family is to God. That's how that's how strong it is. As he says, we the church, we're subject to, we're led by Christ, and, and that's how w- w- women... Well, wouldn't it be nice if our wives followed us like we follow Christ? Boy, thank you for not amen in that, men, because we would be in trouble. Because quite often we're not being the head that we should be. Verse 25 Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, let me ask you something Would you rather submit or give your life? Well, all of us would rather really submit right yeah. but that's that's not a choice we have wives you 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 don't have a choice. you are to submit that means understand the the role that we have husbands we're to give our life you yeah I didn't hear any amens from the ladies, so I guess I won't go there I'll just leave that one alone. I said it, and i'm done i'm not. If we can just understand that the devil wants to reprobate what I'm talking about. He wants to tur- flip this. One of the hardest things to watch is to watch a woman take a leadership role in a marriage. That is so difficult to watch. It's devastating to the marriage. Number one, you, <laughs> you want to grab the man up by the neck of the head. Man, give, Get yourself some, yeah, I almost said something bad there, Bishop, and he knows exactly what I was about to say. Get yourself some manhood, sir, and stand up and be a man. Well, that one was close. You, You like to become pastor again. If I keep up tonight, you might... Colossians 3, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for that's well-pleasing to the Lord. Listen, God's not random. He set this thing up for a reason. He set the family up for a reason. Adam and Eve were to propagate God's image into the earth. That's, isn't that what he told them? Go and replenish? You know, I want to see me over again. And over again, that's what God was telling them. Have more. I want to see me over. Propagate God's image in the earth. That was the purpose of what we do. God's not random. I'll skip that. I need to finish. If we don't understand and accept that God set into motion from the very beginning the family and the progression of leadership that it goes with. then then we lose our unity, we lose our peaceful existence as families and as the church. It's important that we recognize the power that's in the family because it's, it's, it's what God presented to us, it's what God showed us, that he wanted in us that we would show him in the earth. It was that, it's that simple. That's what the family is really about, It's to show God in this earth. You know, God knew there was going to be unbelievers. God knew there were going to be those that were heathenistic and all those things. And there had to be a leadership role in this earth to show them God. And the family unit is the most powerful thing that shows those kind of people God. It's the most powerful thing. I'm sorry, I'm skipping a few things because I want to. Part of my responsibility as a husband is to make sure that there are no smoldering issues that continue in our marriage. If I cause them or she causes them or somebody else causes them, you you know what something smoldering is? I built a fire out at my place one time, and I accidentally put a cross tie in the bottom of it, not thinking about it. And that fire burnt, man, it burnt great. If you don't know, a cross tie is a treated piece of wood that's meant to last forever because it's treated with this heavy tar and and oil and it's saturated. It's pressure. You've heard of pressure treated wood? Well, a cross tie is the ultimate in pressure treated wood, it's meant to last forever. The problem is, it'll last forever. So I built it, the fire went out, you know. that week, after all the stuff was gone, Janet kept telling me, "There's something smoldering over there." No, no, I, that fire's out. You know, I'm the man. I know about this. You shut up and listen to me. And so we just began to pile more new brush on top of it. And so one Wednesday night after church, I was going home, and I closer I got to my house, I thought, "Man, some some idiot." is burning a fire in the middle of the night close to my house that cross tie had laid under there and smoldered it just kept on burning it kept on burning and it set that new brush on fire and pastor don was out there in his church clothes running around like with a chicken with his head cut off trying to get water over there cuz the flames were 30 or 40 feet tall i was i'm not i, I was scared to death I was going to catch the, wasn't any wind, thank the Lord. I think the Lord was teaching me something here. So I got, man, I, yeah, I was doing everything. And, you know, Janet got worried because I didn't even call her. I was out there. She didn't know there was a fire. She was in the house. She, she called me, where you at? And I'm huffing and puffing. She said, what's the matter? And I'm put, trying to put out a fire. She said, "What? Well, something happened at the church? No. No, look out the window. Yeah. Part, listen, sir, to keep that family unit as it should be, part of, part of what we should do is just keep things from smoldering. You know what? If there's a fire. If it's a bad thing, put it out. Put, confront it, put it out. You know, after all that was said and done, I remembered something my dad told me 40 years ago. Never put a cross tie on a fire. Yes, that had somehow eluded me at the point in time. Don't let things smolder. Don't, don't, because you know what will happen? If you let things smolder, they will become a raging fire. Why do you have cross ties? A cross tie, it, it, if you go, if you cross over a railroad track, look, make sure there's no train coming. If there's no train coming, look down and you're going to see every so often there's this big, thick piece of lumber that these, Rails are laid on. Those are called cross ties. And they use them to lay the rails on. And you, they're, you know, about 18 inches apart. They've got them. That's what a cross tie. They're treated so they will... La- Some of those cross ties they pull out and replace have been there over 100 years. And they're still good. Crissote. It's Oat. Exactly what it is. So the the, the whole point... Let me stop here because I'm, I'm... There's a lot I can say. The, the, the family is still under attack. We talked about this we've talked about it over and over but four or five years ago the family still under attack. What the devil has now done is created smoke screens so that we don't see that. We're too busy looking at all this other stuff. I mean, we talk more about bad about politicians. We we talk more bad about viruses. We talk more we have more conversation about that stuff than we do about the family. It's important that we, you know, your kids need to understand. Some of your kids are my age, right? Some maybe. Your kids your kids till you die, not till you die. They're your kids. They're always your kids. But listen, there's something that we need to continually transpose under their life is that the family is important the family unit, the family structure, and understanding why God set it up that way. And so I I just felt this week as I was praying, I just felt just to kind of rehash this again, re-talk about it again. Understand how God feels about the family. It's so important to him that he likens, likens himself and the church to a husband and a wife. That's how important the family is. And so we, we just need to take a step back in our society today and, and, and clear the smoke. Here's the thing about clearing smoke. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Thank you. And there's a smoke screen going on right now. So you know what? There's a big fire going on right now. And that fire is an attack on us, the family. And so in your prayers, pray for the families of this church. And your studies, study in Scripture about family. Listen, if you're single here, you're a family. Don't, don't, you're a family. We're, we're in this together. We're families together. And as long as we stay strong as families, our church will stay strong. Our church will stay strong. Anybody have?
0: You don't have to have kids to have a family. Right. Adam and Eve were a family. They didn't have children until they were out of the garden. Right. And a marriage is a little deeper than a commitment. It's a covenant. Mm-hmm. God had a covenant with Adam. He had a covenant with Abraham. He had a covenant with Noah. He had a covenant with Moses. He had a covenant with Israel. Jesus had a covenant with the church. And, and a covenant is is, is an irrevocable covenant binding agreement between two parties. And and so, you know, the tie there, you know, J- Jesus had a principle of the law of first things. Whatever was first addressed in Scripture is true throughout the rest of Scripture. And, you know, when he made that, you know, man shall leave his father, and mother, cleave his wife, that they twain shall be one flesh, that, that's at the beginning, and that is the context of every marriage since then. And I can yeah. tell you from experience, divorce is hell.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't experienced it. I have brothers that have. I have family that, you know, we're all touched by it. We're all all touched by it. Some of us a little harder than others. But, you know, I I don't think I've ever heard of a good one, an easy one. I don't think I've ever heard of that because you're separating something that God had in a different intention. You know, the beauty of it is what you just said Adam and Eve were a family, now they can have kids. Now they can have kids. If they don't have any, they're still a family. Them them having kids did not make them a family. That was part of the beautiful part of the relationship. They could propagate God into the world.
0: And I found as a pastor that any man that loves his wife as Christ loved the church, she never has a problem submitting to him. But the problem in submission is is when he doesn't love her like Christ loved the church.
1: Ninety-nine point nine percent of the time, isn't that the deal? Yeah. When you When you have it's the man. It's not the woman it, not wanting to man. submit. The problem
0: in our culture is the men. It's not women. Yeah. It's men. Yeah. I mean, there has been a change. You know, men used to be the sexual aggressors, but now it's the women. Mm-hmm. So you know that has flipped, but re- the real problem, you know, is absent men. Even even in homes where there is no divorce, right? The husband is so busy with things that do not build a marriage and 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 the kids and the family. He thinks he is by providing, but mm-hmm. you, you can't you can't pay attention to one thing and and. Leave the, the lesser. Right. You know, majoring on minors.
1: A family is work. You ever had that job that you really loved? If, if, if a husband is leading and a wife is in the submission, we understand what the submission is here. Understanding the leadership role of the husband. It can be a job, but it's a job you love.
0: Paul used the example of Abraham. You know, Sarah calling him Lord. And he tried to pawn her off twice. Mm -hmm. But she didn't rebel against him. Her her deal, and this is where women make the mistake, is they don't understand that that man's got to answer to God. Mm -hmm. He's in God's hands, she's in his. And if he Ventures her into something that is devastating to her. Instead of rebelling against the man, she needs to put it in God's hands. Said, "He's yours, God. You take care of him."
1: Mm-hmm. And she's not at fault in the no. situation.
0: No, she's not. It's all falls on him,
1: Tim. Ladies, this is looking looking pretty good for you. <laughs> Guys. You know what, if we just if we just recognize what God he did, it, so not thumb, not th- power. It brings peacefulness and it brings unity. It brings all of this in our.
0: For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather and you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.